In the name of the Father and the Son and God's Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Once upon a time, in a time before time, actually, before there were clocks or calendars or even sundials, God was all that there was. No one knows anything about that time because no one was there to know it. But somewhere in the middle of that time before time, God decided to make a world. Who knows? Maybe he was bored or lonely. Or maybe he just liked making things and decided now it was time to make something big. Whatever the reason, God made a world, this world, and filled it with the most astonishing things, humpback whales that sing and white-striped skunks that stink and birds with more colors than a box of Crayola crayons. The list is way too long to go into at this time of night, but suffice it to say that at the end, when God stood back and looked at it all, God was pleased. Only something was missing. God couldn't think what it was at first, but slowly it dawned on him. Everything that God made was very interesting and gorgeous in its own way, and it all fit together rather well. Only there was nothing in the world that looked like him or her exactly. It was as if he'd painted this huge masterpiece and forgotten to sign it. A Rockwell without a Rockwell is not a Rockwell. And so God got busy making his signature piece, something made in his own image, something that anyone who looked at it would know who the artist was. God had one single thing in mind at first, but as he worked, God realized that one thing all by itself was just not the kind of statement he wanted to make. He knew what it was like to be alone. And having made a world, he also knew what it was like to have company. And company was definitely better. So God decided to make two things instead of one, which were alike but different sort of as different as Venus is from Mars. And both would be reflections of God, and both would keep him and each other company. Flesh was what he made them out of, flesh and blood, a wonderful medium, extremely flexible and warm to the touch. Since God, strictly speaking, was not made of anything at all, pure mind, pure spirit, he was very taken with this flesh and blood, watching his creatures stretch and yawn, laugh and run. He found him to his surprise that he was more than a little envious of them, like you've never been of your children or your grandchildren. He made them, it was true, so he knew how fragile they were, but their very breakability somehow made them more touching to him. 
And it was not long before God found himself falling in love with them. He liked being with them better than any other creatures he'd made. And especially liked walking with them in the garden in the cool of the evening. And so it almost broke God's heart when they got together behind his back and did the one thing he asked them not to do and then hid from them, from him, while he searched the garden until way past dark, calling their names over and over again. Things were different after that. God still loved the human creatures best of all, but it seemed like the attraction was not mutual. The birds were still crazy about him, especially hummingbirds who loved to dance with him every chance they got. Dolphins, raccoons, they couldn't get enough of him. But human beings, they had other things on their minds. They were busy learning how to make things themselves and grow things and buy and sell things. And the more they learned to do for themselves, the less they depended on God. Night after night, he threw pebbles at their windows, inviting them to go for a walk with him. But they said, sorry, we're too busy. And so it wasn't long before most humans forgot all about him, really. They called themselves self-made men and women, as though that were a plus and not a minus. They talked about becoming self-reliant and self-actualized. They honestly believed it was all about and up to them. And they liked the results so much that they divided themselves into groups of people who looked and thought and talked alike. Those who still believed in God drew pictures of him that looked just like them, only like them, which of course made it easier for them to turn away from people who were different. You wouldn't believe the trouble this got them into. Everything from armed warfare to cities split right down the middle with one kind of people living on one kind of the tr side of the track and another people living on the other. God would have put a stop to it right there, except for one thing. When God had made human beings, he had made them free, like him. It was sort of built into them like their hearts and their brains so that even God could not or would not take it back without killing them. And so God left them free, and it almost killed him to see what they were doing to each other. God shouted to them from the sidelines, using every means that he could think of, including floods and famines. He sent messengers he tried to whisper to them in their dreams, but those were out of their control, so they didn't listen to them anymore. But no matter what he tried, he came up against the barriers of flesh and blood. They were made of it, and he was not, which made translating very difficult. God would say, please, stop before you hurt yourself. 
before you destroy yourselves and this beautiful world that I have made for you. But all they could hear was thunder. God would say, I love you as much today as the day I made you. But all they could see was wind blowing through the trees. There was only one exception to this sad state of affairs, and that was babies. While their parents were almost deaf to God's messages, babies didn't seem to have any trouble hearing him at all. They were all the time laughing at God's jokes or crying with him when he cried, which went right over their parents' head. Colic, the grown-ups would say. Isn't she cute? She's laughing at the dust mites in the sunlight. Only she wasn't, of course. She was laughing because God had just told her that it was cleaning day in heaven and that what she saw were the falling stars that the angels were shaking out of their feather dusters. Babies didn't go to war. They never made hate speeches or littered or refused to play with each other because they belonged to different political parties. They depended on other people for virtually everything necessary to their lives. A phrase like self-made babies would have made them laugh until their bellies hurt. While no one asked their opinions about anything that mattered, which would have been a good idea, it also seemed like everyone loved them. And that gave God an idea. Why not create himself as one of these delightful creatures? So God tried the idea out on his cabinet of archangels. And at first they were all very quiet. Finally, the senior archangel stepped forward to speak for all of them. He told God how much they would worry about him. He would be putting himself at the mercy of his creatures, the angel said. People could do anything they wanted to him, and if he seriously meant to become one of them, there would be no escape for him if things turned sour. Couldn't he at least make himself into a magical baby with some special powers? It wouldn't take much, like the power to become invisible, like Harry Potter's invisibility cloak. Or maybe the power to hurl bolts of lightning if the need arose. The baby idea was a stroke of genius, the angel said. It really was. It just lacked adequate safety features. God thanked the archangels for their concern, but said no. He thought he would just be a regular baby. How else could he gain the trust of his creatures? How else could he persuade them that he knew their lives inside out unless he lived one just like theirs? There was a risk. He knew it. Okay, there was a huge risk. But that was part of what he wanted his creatures to know, that he was willing to risk everything to get close to them in the hopes that they might love him again. It was a daring plan. But once the angels saw that God was dead set on it, they broke into applause. Not the uproarious kind, 
but the steady kind that goes on and on when you have witnessed something you know you will never see again. And while they were still clapping, God turned around and left that cabinet chamber, shedding his robes as he went. The angels watched as his midnight blue mantle fell to the floor so that all the stars on it collapsed in a heap. And then a strange thing happened. Where the robes had fallen, the floor melted and opened up to reveal a scrubby brown pasture speckled with sheep. And right in the middle of them, a bunch of shepherds sitting around a campfire drinking from their wineskins. It was hard to say who was more startled, really, the shepherds or the angels. But as the shepherds looked up at them, the angels pushed their senior member to the edge of the hole. Looking down at those human beings who were all trying to hide behind each other, the angel said in as gentle a voice as he could muster, Don't be afraid. See, I am bringing you good news of, of a great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah. And away up on the hill from the direction of town came the sound of a newborn baby's cry. Amen.